All right, turn in your Bible to two passages of Scripture. Turn to Matthew 12, open your Bibles to Matthew 12, and then put a marker at Proverbs 26, all right? So open your Bible to Matthew 12, and then if you can put a marker at Proverbs chapter 26, we'll flip over there later. We're in a, a wonderful series, a convicting series, words, life or death. The um, scripture we're basing this series off, I'm not, I didn't ask you to turn to it, but let me just remind you, Proverbs 18:21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And last week, the message was the value of words. This week, the message is called the truth about words. And we're actually going to start at a passage of Scripture in Matthew 12. We read last week and read it again and then go deeper into this passage, all right? Matthew 12, look at verse 33. Matthew 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good. Remember, the tree is the heart and the fruit is the mouth. And and you'll see that in this passage. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. And then Jesus said to the Pharisees, running his campaign speech and trying to be nice to everyone, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The tree is the heart, the fruit is the mouth. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things or speaks good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Verses 36 and 37, very important. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And remember, we know we're saved by grace through faith, but what he's saying here is, If grace has come into your life, if you've really received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's changed your heart. And if your heart has been changed, then your mouth will be changed. And so it takes a while for us to understand, and we have to work on it, and that's what this series is. I'm going to help us work on our words, all right? So I have three things I want to tell you about the truth about words. Here's number one. Words cost. Words cost. Now, um, can can I... Speak freely for a moment. Can I speak freely? Okay, let me, uh, you said yes, but let me answer that question. Actually, the answer is no. We never speak freely because our words cost. Now, I know that our forefathers, by God, by the way, gave us, we are endowed by rights by our creator, not by our government, by our creator. That's what our constitution says. And, and those rights, one of those is freedom of speech. I agree with that right. Okay, let me say that. I agree with the right to freedom of speech. I'm glad we have that right in America. But does that mean that I can say anything I want and not have to give an account to God for it? (laughs) Does that mean then that words are free? Words are not free. We have a freedom of speech, a right of freedom of speech, but words aren't free. Does that mean I can say anything to my wife and it not cost me? (laughs) You know, that came out differently than what I was thinking. (laughs) Don't tell Debbie I said that because... Uh, Okay, so does that mean, though, that I can say anything to a friend or a coworker or a family member and it not cost us in our relationship? That's what I'm trying to say. Simply because America gives me that right 
Does that mean that I can say anything I want? And again, I agree with that right. But I'm simply trying to tell you that I, I'm glad I'm an American citizen. But 30 years ago, I became a citizen of the higher kingdom than America. Listen, when America's gone, heaven will still be here. Presidents come and go, Jesus is Lord forever. And I have to give an account to him for every idle word I say. If America says it's legal, is it right? Have you ever thought about that one? In, in some counties in Nevada, prostitution is legal. So what if a man goes to Nevada and hires a prostitute and Jesus says, I'm gonna call you an account for that. And the man says, but Lord, I was in Nevada. <laughs> what do you think Jesus is gonna say? Oh, you were in Nevada. Oh, okay, well, it's okay then. If Nevada says it's okay, then it's okay. No, I'm telling you there's a higher law than American law. And again, I'm grateful, and I'm, it's, it's not even really the same thing. I'm simply using it as, as, a, as an illustration. I'm grateful we have the right of free speech in America, but that doesn't mean words are free. Words cost. Let me read you uh, a couple of scriptures before we get to Proverbs 26. Psalm 41, verse 3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Psalm 39, verse 1, I said I will guard my ways, now watch this statement, lest I sin with my tongue. That means it's possible to sin with your tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle. Now, I know that would look funny, but many of you, uh, never mind, um, <laughs> many of us might need to try that sometime. By the way, he said, lest I sin with my tongue, uh, I'll preach a special Easter message. We'll take a break next weekend from the message but after that, I'll continue the series, and the next message will be 10 ways that we can sin with our tongue. 10 different ways, 10 different sins that we commit with our tongue, the Bible tells us about. Have you ever said, made this statement, I probably shouldn't say this? And then what do you normally do after you say that? You say it anyway, and guess what? You probably shouldn't have said it. When we say, I probably shouldn't say this, it's either the Holy Spirit or common sense or both telling us not to say it, and we do it anyway. I, I um, in my own life, I've had a difficulty with sarcasm. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're a very sarcastic generation. When you watch television shows and, and movies now, sarcasm is a huge part. Uh, but sarcasm doesn't work in real life. You can easily cross the line with sarcasm. And so I was preparing a message one time, and I thought of a very funny illustration, but it was very sarcastic. And uh, I, I couldn't get peace about it. And um, because it was so, I felt like it was a little across the line, but I really wanted to use it because it was really funny, you know. And um, so I just kept wrestling with, do I keep this in the message or take it out or keep it in? And I came to church, and I was walking down the hallway, and it was before the service, and it was way before the service. There weren't many people here, and I saw this guy, and I said, hey, how are you? And I shook his hand, and he, he just, he just kind of got this look on his face, and I said, what's wrong? He said, well, I just can't believe I'm seeing you this morning because he said, I just had a dream about you last night. And I said, really? Well, tell me the dream. And he, he said, well, Pastor Robert, I want you to know that I love you and all the, of course I knew then, you know, what the dream was about. Um, but he, was, he really was very sincere and very humble in, in his, in his uh, speech to me. And um, he was basically trying to tell me I'm not a kook. And that's a good thing to know, by the way, when you're talking to someone. So he's, and I said, well, go, go ahead. Don't, don't worry about it. Just tell me the dream. He said, well, he said, I, I saw you on a beach and the ocean was behind you and there were uh, multitudes of people in front of you. 
and you were preaching the truth to them, and this wave came up and took you out to sea. And I said to the Lord, Lord, what was that wave? And the Lord said, sarcasm. Of course, I said to him, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, (laughs) Obviously, I told him what had happened, and I said, listen, that was a word from God, and and thank you so much for sharing that with me. So, words cost. Here's number two, the, the second truth about words I want to tell you. Words hurt. Words hurt people. And uh, here's the lie. In, in each of these, there's a lie. There's, there's the lie about words cost that words are free, and, and you don't have to pay for your words, but we know we do. We'll have to give an account for them. Okay, here's the lie. The lie is that uh, words hurt except if you're kidding around. If you're joking around, then words don't hurt. All right, now look at Proverbs 26. I, I, I asked you to turn to this passage because this is one of the most shocking scriptures in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 18 and 19. Like a madman, like a madman, a crazy person, who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. You want me to read that one again? <laughs> like a person, let me paraphrase, a crazy person sitting on a hill with a rifle shooting at people is a person who says something in a deceptive or manipulative way to his neighbor and then says, I was only joking. And we do this all the time. We put little jabs in our comments or we put little hints in our comments. And we put jabs, and let me say another way, we put stabs in those. And normally once we get jabbed, we stab back. I uh, I grew up with uh, a loaded gun for a mouth. And uh, if you jabbed me, I was going to wait for a good opportunity, and I was going to find your weakness, and I was going to stab you back. And it was going to be over the top. And I knew that that was the best way that I could get to someone, and many, many of us do that. And then my out was, if you ever tried to catch me on it, I could say, I was just kidding. You're too sensitive. And then we say this, I didn't mean anything by that. Well, the Bible says you did. The, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, if it comes out of your mouth, it's because it's in your heart. And many, many times, we give a little jab to someone, but there is a little truth to what we're saying. And then we say, well, I was just kidding around. I, I didn't mean that. Think, think about this. Walking by an orange tree, and, and you say to the orange tree, boy, those are some nice oranges. And the orange tree says, I'm not an orange tree, I'm an apple tree. I don't mean anything by these oranges. Okay, listen, if you got oranges, you're an orange tree. That's what we say. We say, I, didn't, I don't mean anything by my words, but you do, according to Jesus. Can you imagine telling God that? Something comes out of your mouth, and the Lord says, you, wh- why did you say that? You say, well, I didn't mean anything about that. Here's what God would say. Are you kidding me? I wrote the Bible. I'm the one that said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when I hear something come out of my mouth, that doesn't glorify God, I don't try to justify it. I say to God, God, I didn't even realize that was still in my heart. But apparently it's in my heart because it came out of my mouth. So Lord, how do I deal with this? What do I do? What is the root of that? See, Jesus compared words to fruit. Fruit own trees, and trees have roots. So I'm trying to figure out what's the root 
of that tree that's growing in my life that just produced that fruit that came out of my mouth. By the way, this is a better sermon than you're thinking. This is really good what I'm saying right now because that what I just said wasn't in my notes and I've got another service. Preach. Okay, got it. Okay, that, that, was, that was really good. It shocks me too when it comes out and it's good. So, okay. What's the root, God? Here's, here's the only way. Here's the only way you can deal with bad words. Repent of them. Ask forgiveness. That's the only way. And by the way, if bad words have been spoken to you, the only way you can deal with those is to forgive. You have to forgive the person that said, some of you are dealing with things right now in your life because someone said something to you 20 years ago. And until you forgive that person, those words are like trees, and those trees are producing fruit in your life. In other words, cut the tree down. Now, I, every time I think about cutting a tree down, I have to tell you something that happened to me. Uh, when, I, when I first started preaching, uh, Debbie and I, we, we went to every small church in the world. We've been to every one of them. We went anywhere they would have me preach. And uh, I can remember, you know, they'd ask me, you know, can you come Sunday? And I'd say, yeah, I'm booked for two years, but I can come Sunday, you know. So uh, I just went anywhere. And I went all down these country roads, and I got some of the worst directions you've ever heard in your life. And, and when I think about cutting trees down, this is what I think of. I remember this pastor telling me how to get to his church. And he said, you know, you go out of town about three miles, and you turn left where the old oak tree used to be. <laughs> how do I know where the old oak tree used to be? Uh, is there a stump? Are, are there grieving squirrels? I mean, how do I know, you know? <laughs> And then, by the way, it got worse from there, and you're gonna, you're, you'll, you'll love this part because it's, it's, you, you, can, you can see this happening. He said, you'll go down that road about a mile, and when you cross the bridge, two big dogs will chase your car. <laughs> and when they stop, turn left. <laughs> it happened exactly like he said. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen a dog chase a car to his property line? Woo, 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 woo. Okay, my point is, that really doesn't have much to do with the message, it's just funny, but the point is, he said where the old oak tree used to be, listen, if you have bad words, cut the tree down. Figure out what the root is in your heart and go to the root. John the Baptist said it this way, even now, the ax is being laid to the root of the tree, which means Jesus was coming to deal with the heart issues. So, words cost, words hurt, and here's number three, words last. Words last. That's the truth. Words last. Um, the lie is words are evaporative. You say words and they just disappear into the air. They don't just disappear. Words last. James 3 talks about, and we're going to get, if you want to read ahead a little in this series, read James 3 because we're going to get into James 3 quite a bit in the series. He said that the tongue can start a forest fire. You know why the tongue can start a forest fire? Because there are all, there's already a forest there are already a bunch of trees there. What happens is you say something to someone in a joking, kidding way, and you devastate that person because 10 other people have said things about that. And they have a whole forest there, and your tongue starts a forest fire. You ever said something that you thought, I can't believe it got that big? That's because there was a forest there. Um, when Debbie and I first got married, I wasn't saved. And I have a, a, I, I'm the communicator in the family. I'm more verbal than she is. Most of our conversations, I'm talking and she's shaking her head, you know. And um, so I, I would 
tear her down with my words, and I didn't realize I was doing it. I really didn't. And I'd win every argument we had. And after I got saved, we had one of these arguments, and I just, just, just verbally assaulted her. And I left then, went in the other room, and she's crying. And the Lord said to me, do you remember when you got beat up by that black belt? And I had to think about it because I got beat up a lot, so I had to try to remember which time it was. <laughs> I remember one time when I got beat up. This was a, a, a boy. I really got beat up this time. It was five against two, five against two. And those were the toughest two guys I think I've ever met in my life. But anyway, um, so the Lord said, do you remember when you got beat up by that black belt? And then all of a sudden it came to me. I thought, oh, yes, I do remember. And of course, I got beat up a lot because of, of my mouth, you know. And I remember, you know, this guy saying, you better back off. I have a black belt. Well, who cares if you have a black belt? <laughs> well, I cared in about 15 minutes. That's who cared. <laughs> but the Lord said, do you remember when you got beat up by a black belt? I said, yeah. He said, you weren't sore for days afterwards like you normally were after losing a fight. You were sore for weeks. He said, you want to know why? Because he was an expert. He knew how to cause damage. He was trained, and he was good at it. And then he said to me, son, you're a black belt with your mouth. And then he said, and don't you ever lay a hand on my daughter again. Wow. Don't you ever beat her up with your words again. And I can't say that I've walked in purity in that area because I, many times I fall in that area. But please listen to me, sir or ma'am, one of you is a better communicator. And you always have to have the last word and you have to win. Listen to me very carefully. You may win the disagreement, but you're losing the agreement. You know, we say you may, the old saying is you may win the battle, but you're losing the war. Okay, you may win the disagreement, but you're losing the agreement that you have in your marriage. And we counsel with people constantly, been married 15, 20, and 30 years, and the, one of the spouses finally says, the one that's been verbally abused, finally says, I can't, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm not taking it anymore. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. Change now. Because you're doing damage that could last for a long time. Now, let me give you some good news, all right? Because you're probably ready for it about now. <laughs> Bad words last, but good words last also. Uh, let me read you two scriptures here. 2 Timothy 1.3, Paul said, I remember you. And I want you to notice the word remember. I underlined it. I remember you in my prayers night and day. I remember you in my prayers. And then two verses later in verse 5, he says, when I call to remembrance, a very similar word in the Greek, the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's in you also. Okay, here's what he said. He's saying, I'm praying for you. Timothy's going through a tough time. Paul says, I'm praying man, praying for you. But when he uses the word remember, he uses a Greek word that comes from two Greek words, and the root of one of those words, this is, you won't understand it when I say it to you until we talk about it a little bit, but it means graveyard monument. That's what it means. And I know you think, well, I don't know, I don't understand that. Okay, when you see a headstone or a monument in a graveyard, listen, it, it is not telling you to remember that someone died. It's telling you to remember that someone lived. It is a remembrance of a life of someone. And here's what Paul is saying. He's telling Timothy, listen, I'm building a monument of your need before God. I want you to know that. I am, that's why, why else would he use that word? I am building a monument. I am building a statue of your need before God. See, words last. That's why a, a grandmother can pray for a grandson, and 20 years after she goes to be with the Lord, the grandson gets saved. 
because she built monuments for that grandson in heaven for God to watch. And it's, I'm gonna give you a silly illustration, but it's like God comes out his front door every morning, you know, to go get his uh, paper or mail or whatever. And, and there are all these monuments in his yard that this grandmother has built for this grandson. So he's gotta walk, you know, through these monuments and to get to his mailbox. And finally he says, somebody go get that boy saved. And, and if you have to, knock him off his horse and blind him until he gets saved. And if you don't think God will do that, read Acts chapter 9, because it's exactly what he did to Paul. He knocked him off his high horse, and he caused him to be blind until Paul said, who are you? I want to know who you are. And prayers can bring people to that point in their life. So let me just kind of wrap up here. Words cost, but they can be an investment. You can invest in people instead of take away from people with your words. Words hurt, but they can also heal. And words last. Bad words, but here's the good news. Good, new, good words do too. Let me read you a, a true story uh, from a biography, actually an autobiography of a person about words. A seminary professor was vacationing with his wife in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. One morning they were eating breakfast at a little restaurant hoping to enjoy a quiet family meal. And while they were waiting for their food, they noticed a distinguished looking white haired man moving from table to table visiting with the guests. The professor leaned over and whispered to his wife, I hope he doesn't come over here. But sure enough, the man did come over to their table. Where are you folks from, he asked in a friendly voice. Oklahoma, they answered. Great to have you here in Tennessee, the stranger said. What do you do for a living? I teach at a seminary, he replied. Oh, so you teach preachers how to preach, do you? Well, I've got a really great story for you. And with that, the gentleman pulled up a chair, sat down at the table with the people, and the professor groaned and thought to himself, great, just what I needed, another preacher story. The man started, see that mountain over there, pointing out the restaurant window? Not far from the base of that mountain, there was a boy born to an unwed mother. He had a hard time growing up because every place he went, he was always asked the same question. Hey boy, who's your daddy? Whether he was at school, in the grocery store, or drugstore, people would ask the same question. Who's your daddy? He would hide at recess and lunchtime from other students. He would avoid going into stores because those words hurt him so badly. When he was about 12 years old, a new preacher came to his church. He would always go in late and slip out early to avoid hearing the question, who's your daddy? But one day, the new preacher said the benediction so fast he got caught and had to walk out with the rest of the crowd. Just about the time he got to the back door, the new preacher, not knowing anything about him, put his hand on his shoulder and asked him, son, who's your daddy? The whole church got deathly quiet. He could feel every eye in the church looking at him. Now everyone would finally know the answer to the question, who's your daddy? This new preacher, though, sensed the situation around him and using discernment that only the Holy Spirit can give, said the following to that scared little boy, Wait a minute, he said, I know who you are. I see the family resemblance now. You are a child of God. With that, he patted the boy on his shoulder and said these words, son, you have a great inheritance. Go and claim it. With that, the boy smiled for the first time in a long time and walked out the door a changed person. He was never the same again. When anybody asked him, who's your daddy, he would smile and tell them, I'm a child of God. 
The distinguished gentleman got up from the table and said, isn't that a great story? The professor responded, it really was a great story. As the man turned to leave, he turned and said, you know, if that new preacher hadn't told me that I was one of God's children, I probably never would have amounted to anything. And he walked away. The seminary professor and his wife were stunned. He called the waitress over and asked her, do you know who that man was who just left that was sitting at our table? The waitress grinned and said, well, of course. Everybody knows him. That's Ben Hooper. He's the former governor of Tennessee. Bad words, good words. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just take a moment like we do every week and just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Some of us, the Holy Spirit is going to convict us that our mouth sometimes is like a loaded gun. And we hurt some people we love very much. I told you last week, the seven divine words, not magic words, but divine words are, I was wrong, will you forgive me? We can begin speaking life instead of death by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what's God saying to you? We want to pray for you. No matter which campus you're attending, we want to pray for you. We'll have one more worship song. During that time, at all of our campuses, we'll stand. And I, we ask that no one leave during this time unless you have to, and we understand that if you have to. But during that time, we're gonna have leaders at the front of every campus. And if you have any prayer need, you don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer, but if you have any prayer need, it could be about your finances or your family, your health, your job, your relationship with God. If you have a need for prayer for anything at all, no matter which campus you're attending, as soon as we stand up, just stand up, step out and come to the front. Other people will be standing and we do it every week. You, no one will look at you funny if you do. Please understand, don't let the devil tell you, well, it's embarrassing because this is part of church. So in a moment, after I pray, then we'll stand. As soon as we stand up, you just stand up, step out and come and let us pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that has a need for prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen.